Welcome to Prima's 2022 podcast series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Senior Director of Education at Prima. On this Prima podcast, David Lupinski will discuss opportunities and benefits of telehealth and digital health. David is the Senior Vice President of Products at Corvell. We will also be joined by Prima's Education Coordinator, Taekwon Gilbert. Taekwon will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, David. Thank you, Taquan. So what are some of the benefits that payers have seen with telehealth? Yeah, I think one of the benefits that we would look at is just with telehealth is uh, being able to bring healthcare to the patient versus taking the patient to healthcare. And so if we think about that just in terms of productivity, it's a huge savings for, for employers. You know, a lot of them, I can tell you, we run a large call center and one or two people call out sick and we feel the pain of that. So being able to bring healthcare to the patient, adjust the modified duties if we need to, and but to keep them at the job site is a huge value add of telehealth. So that's one in terms of productivity. The other in terms of quality and cost, one of the nice things about telehealth is you're not bound to geography. So you can really look at the high quality providers and give them access to a wide geographical range. And then to me with quality, comes reductions in costs and efficiencies because, you know, good care to me should lead to independence from care. So we've seen up to 50% reductions in terms of total medical costs when we're treating the full episode of care through the medium of telehealth. What has been the feedback from patients in this medium? It's really good feedback. So I don't know if you've ever had an application where you're using it and you close out of the application and it asks you to star rank the app. Well, that's what happens in our telehealth model. So we actually get really good feedback there. So when we do things like texting the patients, we typically get 10%, maybe less that respond to it. In telehealth, we actually get above 30% that star rank us. And they star rank both the experience as well as the providers. And today, we're a 4.8 out of 5 stars. So the nice thing, too, is we get this feedback and we can investigate so any you know, experience that was less than a three, we look at, we QA the visit, look for opportunities to improve. So I think partly what the patients are liking as well is just the convenience of it. Again, they're not having to travel. They're not having to sit in a waiting room. Our average speed of answer for getting them into a visit is 10 minutes, so not long waits. And so I think that convenience, along with really training the providers of how to get what we call good website manner. So in the brick and mortar, you have bedside manner. In telehealth, we call it website manner. And really making sure that part of website manner is making sure that the experience looks very professional. You know, no one wants to see their doctor in their pajamas. So we make sure that they've got a covered background, that they're wearing their white coat, and that it feels like a physician visit, just being brought to them versus in the brick and mortar setting. Can providers really perform a good physical exam using telehealth? Yeah, that's a question we get commonly, you know, and I think most people that have been to the provider's office, it's very rare that they do a hands-on evaluation. So, and a lot of the diagnosis, there's a misconception, a lot of the diagnosis comes from a good history. So asking questions like, how did you fall? Show me the mechanism. A lot of the deduction, up to 80%, they estimate, comes from a good history, and then you correlate it with a good physical exam. And the way you do a good physical exam is really by mirroring the movements that you want the patient to do and then watching them do it in the video. So you might say, if you hurt your shoulder, 
well, let me see you raise your right shoulder, raise your right arm, and you would raise your right arm, and then you'd watch the patient raise the right arm. Same thing you can do for even palpitation. You could say, well, you know, use your hand and go over the top of your shoulder. Is that where you feel pain, or do you feel pain down there? So there's actually a lot that you can do with regards to physical examination. And what's nice because of COVID is we've seen a lot of the larger institutions get involved in this. So we actually use Mayo guidelines as uh, publicized some guidelines with regards to how to perform a physical examination in this medium. And that's what we follow. But we also have a link. Um, if you want to see more about this, we have a link that you can potentially check out. And this is our medical director going through how to do a physical examination. So it takes some of this out of the esoteric, and you could actually view how it would occur in the telehealth setting if you have more questions about it. What has been the feedback from providers with regards to working in this medium? Yeah, I think in terms of telehealth adoption, I think it was more about the providers coming on board than it was about the patients. That was really what was limiting a lot of adoption. You know, are they willing to, you know, the, those the medical community has kind of been known to be slow for uptake in terms of new technologies. So COVID really forced that through, right? If you're going to see your patient, you're going to have to adopt this medium. So that was great in terms of just kind of overcoming that initial inertia of getting them to use it. For us, we've really found a lot of providers are really liking the medium. And there's a few reasons. I think for the ones that we see, a lot of providers are struggling with the 40 hours of seeing a patient, right? They want to kind of have a hybrid model of work, and telehealth allows for some of that. Some of the work that they do, we call it synchronous work, meaning they're seeing patients in real time with synchronous audio, video, and then sometimes they blend it with asynchronous type of work. So when you're not seeing patients, you might be doing a utilization review or a peer review or some other work that doesn't require that kind of real-time setting. And what we've heard from providers, they really enjoy that. You know, they want to be able to see patients, but they maybe don't want to have to do it 40 hours a week. And so it's allowed an opportunity for some of the more independent physicians to kind of work this hybrid type of model and still get the patient care that they want without having to do it full time. What do you see coming on the horizon for telehealth and digital health? Yeah, I think this is where we're going to start to see big changes. And so I think there's questions of is telehealth here to stay and I think by the end of this now, we're, we're understanding it's here to stay. You know, we, we still, McKinsey's study was done that really looked at kind of the transition into telehealth and how it dropped off a little bit post-COVID. But the reality is the usage is still about 38 times what it was pre-COVID. It's just become a standard offering. It's another tool that the medical system has. I think what we're going to see changing, though, is a lot of times when we have a new medium, We've tried to replicate what we do in this medium, just like what we do in brick and mortar. Instead of rethinking, well, how can we do things different and better in this medium? So I'll give you a couple of examples of like one thing that we're doing in our practice site. And I don't know if you've used it before, but Google has a translation service where in real time, it can listen to people speaking another language and it can translate it for you. And so we've actually embed that into our practice site. So we can have a Spanish-speaking patient, and it'll just do some closed captioning for the provider at the bottom in English and reverse. Then the provider will speak in English, and for the other patient, it can do closed captioning at the bottom in Spanish. And so rethinking when you're in this digital medium, what other digital tools are available to you? So in line with that, one of the biggest complaints you get from providers is having to chart. So we've all gone to see our provider 
and they're sitting and they're charting and they're EMR and there's complaints that they're not making eye contact, they're focused on their computer. And, you know, to the provider's defense is, you know, it's a requirement that we have to do this charting. And it's not something that they like to do. This is actually one of the biggest complaints you get from providers. So just like I talked about with Google Translate, you have the natural language processing. So it's already taking their words that they're speaking and putting them into text. What we're looking at now is could it take the words that they're speaking and then start to decide where that belongs within the EMR, the electronic medical record. So could it do the charting for them? And so as we look to new tools like this, I think it's exciting, right? We don't have to do what happens in the brick and mortar setting. We can really recreate a lot of things to make it a better experience for both the patient and the provider. And I think in terms of digital health, we're really seeing a lot of opportunities, not just to maximize the visit, but to maximize care in between the visits. So digital tools that if we think of, you hurt your back, and the provider might give you a piece of paper that says, do these th three stretches and do these exercises. Well, now we have digital tools that can be on your app, and they can track if you are or are not doing the exercises. And we can kind of gamify some of it, and we can do things to really chart to change patient behavior, because I would argue that's actually more important than what happens in the visit. What's more important is what happens in between the visits. And so as we start to move more into this world of digital health, how can we leverage that, both in the brick-and-mortar setting and outside of it, in the telehealth setting? How can we use these digital tools to get more patient compliance, to gamify some of it, and just to get better behavioral changes that's going to lead to better outcomes and better health? We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks to our speaker and all of our listeners. Please visit the Prima website to hear other Prima podcasts, view Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about other Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Have an amazing day.